As part of Dirty Linen's summer series, I am telling a few stories from my own past. And today I'm going to take you to an adventure I had in India. It was in my days as a Lonely Planet author, but the part of India that I'm gonna talk about wasn't part of my work. It was just a bit of a detour. <laughs> in fact, it was a lot of a detour. I went to Ladakh, which is in the Indian Himalaya. So way up in the North to a little town called Leh. Leh is backpacker central. There are lots of youth hostels and guest houses and homestays that are possible. There are lots of people having their hippie adventures. There's a lot of hair braiding and a lot of banana pancakes and I think a lot of dope smoking and just chilling out, professional chilling out, you could say. I got into a bit of trekking and visiting monasteries and just general wandering around and soaking it up. It's really high altitude, so one of the things that a lot of people experience there, especially if they fly in, which I did, is a bit of altitude sickness. And if you've ever quickly climbed altitude, you can probably remember that feeling of being a little bit breathless, just like your whole body is a bit compressed and it makes you a bit dizzy and lightheaded. You can feel quite nauseous and I felt all those things. So it was a slow acclimatisation to the atmosphere and the altitude, but I really loved it. Some of the things I remember eating and drinking are Momo, so these uh, dumplings, uh, tukka, which is a vegetable noodle soup. And I think the, the thing that made the biggest impression on me was yak butter tea, which is, I think it's like you could call it the antecedent to bulletproof coffee, which I really don't like. So that's that's coffee whipped with um, with ghee or clarified butter. But yak butter tea, I think, is, um, is a bit similar and it's got a really mouth-coating fattiness. It's, I found it kind of sweet but bitter at the same time. And to be honest, I found it a little bit hard to get down. But when you're sitting around with monks in a temple, it definitely feels like you need to get to the bottom of the cup or perhaps enlightenment will not be attained. I didn't attain enlightenment in Ladakh, although there was a lot of uh, Buddhist practice going on around me. Uh, I must say I didn't attain enlightenment on any of my travels, but I did have some experiences which um, really uh, made me see myself more clearly and certainly see my limitations and it wasn't so much my time in Ladakh but it was my time trying to get out of Ladakh that really pushed me. So this is what happened. A lot of the travel in India is in minibuses and the roads make you glad that you're not on a large vehicle uh, because they're very twisty turny and um, you know, that part of the north of India is certainly prone to massive rainfalls and it had been raining for a few days before I left Ladakh. Uh, so I hopped on a minibus and went on these really twisty, turny mountain roads, really etched into the hills. The kind of roads where you could sort of see the gravel that you were driving on just sort of sliding down precipitously down the mountain to a raging river. And I suppose you're always, there's always so much trust in moving about the world. You know, you're really trusting that that driver's not gonna lurch up onto the curb. You're trusting 
that you know everybody's going to play their part in keeping everybody safe and I guess that's certainly the case um, on the roads and it felt especially the case on these roads. There was a lot of grinding of gears and squeaking of brakes and sounds that you don't really want to hear too much when you can see <laughs> your imminent death to the left or the right of you depending on how the road was twisting or turning. But then there was another noise, a big clank and a clunk and the minibus shuddered to a halt, sort of a little bit sideways on the road and it did feel like something was pretty wrong. My experience in India is that nobody ever looks too phased by anything. Nothing's really a problem. Everything's just a situation to be stepped through. And that was certainly the case with um, the, all the, the Indian people that were on the bus, including the driver and the driver's assistant. Anyway, they got out, started peering around, scratching their heads, looking around, doing laps of the minibus. And in the end, you know, everyone that was on the bus, there's probably about 25 of us, we all got off and, um, you know, started trying to look expert as we peered at the, um, at the undercarriage of the bus. It was really immediately apparent, looking at this little minibus askew on the road, um, almost kneeling, <laughs> that things weren't looking very good. And the driver said to us, ah, oh, yeah, we just have to wait. Someone's going to come to help us. You know, maybe two days, maybe three, it's going to be fine. Two or three days on this mountain road, all I had was a packet of biscuits and a little bottle of water. This did not seem fine to me. This did not seem fine at all. Waiting two or three days for help to possibly arrive did not seem like an option. I was traveling uh, with a friend of mine, Michael, a sometime boyfriend, depending on how, <laughs> how annoying he was being. And we decided we weren't gonna wait around. We just had to just, I don't know what we thought we were gonna do, find another bus, hitchhike, wandered the way down. The town we thought we were heading to, that we hoped we'd eventually find our way to, was called Shimla. And if I look at Google Maps now, it tells me it's about a six hour drive. Well, I think the original bus trip was supposed to be about 15 or 16 hours. There was a lot of stops along the way. But if we waited a couple of days for someone to possibly come and fix the minibus and then get back on, well, it was certainly going to be many more days and it was gonna throw out our travel plans completely. We felt like that wasn't an option. So we just started walking down the mountain. One of the things that I loved doing when I was traveling in India was listening to the AFL back home. I just found it really nostalgic and when I felt homesick it really took me home. I think in a way it probably exacerbated my homesickness. Even though I was so happy to be away and I loved my adventure I guess there's always this push and pull with home especially as you know milestones would go past whether it was someone in my family's birthday or my birthday or a footy final and so I remember um, walking down the hill, Michael and I shared a pair of headphones and we listened to uh, Radio Australia broadcasting, I think it was a Carlton Hawthorne game, which was our two teams. And it was 
quite a surreal experience among many surreal experiences. Listening to the roar of the crowd from the MCG, listening to the super Aussie footy commentary as we stepped down this muddy, gravelly road. Bradley inside 50, 40 metres out, he's steadies and has kicked it. Craig Bradley has put it through on the run. Some of the things that I remember seeing are shepherds just like wrapped in layers of cloth with classic shepherdy uh, crooked sticks and with um, beautiful goats uh, surrounding them. They like step the goats from tussock to tussock on these improbably steep hills. Uh, And everywhere we looked, the hills just sloped down severely. And at the bottom of every hill, there was rushing water. Um, It definitely felt like somewhere that you didn't want to tumble. The other thing to mention is that I was in India for four or five months and I had the classic Delhi belly from day one (laughs) to day 100 million. I was just sick the whole time. Didn't really worry me. It didn't really ruin my trip. It was just a fact and it was just pretty, it felt pretty normal. Um, Yeah, things went in, things went out. Uh, That was just how it was. And you could manage it. And, you know, the only way that I feel like anyone who's listened to this is qualified to comment is if you also have got into trouble wearing white jeans as you cross a crowded Calcutta road during a monsoon, then you can talk to me about it. Otherwise, it's just how it was. Anyway, so I had to deal with a little bit of a situation in that regard, which was not easy as I was... um, hauling my backpack and my day pack and with uh, (laughs) one ear attached to my friend Michael as we listened to the AFL and started wandering down the hill. Eventually a line of trucks did come along and they were just swaying from side to side as we, we saw them coming slowly around the bend, swaying from side to side as they twisted and turned. And indeed they did stop. So one of the trucks was a potato truck and that's the one that we clambered on top of. And I'd never been much of a truck clamberer on her in my (laughs) nice quiet life in Australia. Uh, But here I was um, climbing up onto the very top of a, you know, timber and metal, beautifully painted, not very mechanically sound looking uh, potato truck and I climbed right onto the top on top of these lumpy sacks of potatoes and put down my pack I think I tied my pack with a sarong to the side of the to the top of the truck because everything just seemed very alarmingly about to fall and there we were that was our transport for probably the next 15 hours as we incredibly slowly and squelchily made our way down this mountain. There was a couple of hairy points. One of them, probably the scariest part was it became dark. So that was that was pretty alarming in itself that we would be swaying um, from side to side, hearing the rushing water down below, uh, sitting on, perched on a potato truck. There was really no way to snuggle down, <laughs> no way to lie down. It was just clinging on. 
uh, I really got to understand the texture of um, a sack of potatoes. It's, it's pretty lumpy to begin with and it doesn't get any softer the more hours that you sit on it. But there we were grabbing onto these Hessian sacks, um, uh, very slowly eating biscuits, nibble by nibble and drinking water sip by sip really trying it we didn't know how long we we're going to be up there so the night was scary enough because you just never knew if that last tumble or sway was going to be the one that sent you off the road completely tumbling down the mountainside but the bit that did get pretty scary it was when we got to a, a border checkpoint and I guess it was between um, Ladakh and I think Himachal Pradesh which is the next province down don't hate me if my geography is wrong but there was a border checkpoint and we did feel a little bit illegal sitting up there. Um, <laughs> it wasn't really a normal way to transport oneself down um, down the steep Himalaya. But there we were. And we did have to hand over our passports and they did go away with them for a very scarily long time. But then luckily they eventually came back to us and um, our truck slowly again tumbled down the hill. Probably the lowest point was when nature called with great urgency and I was on the top of a sacks of potatoes. I w there was no way to be elegant about this. I wonder if there's a way to even speak elegantly about it. I will do my best. Uh, but nature called very urgently. By this time, I'd eaten all the biscuits. They were in a tin, not a box. And I guess that is a saving grace. I answered the call as neatly as possible into the tin, put the lid on the tin, tried to forget that it ever happened and continued lurching our way down the mountainside. We could see the lights of Shimla long before we got there. It was kind of twinkly and the most it was the most welcome sight. And as we came Closer to the town, the pitching road settled down a bit. It wasn't as twisty and it wasn't as turny. It meant that we picked up speed a bit, which brought its own challenges. I definitely gripped onto the Hessian even more tightly. But we eventually pulled into the town, tumbled off the truck onto an actual roadway, could barely walk, just felt everything in me was just vibrating with the rhythm of the road, but <laughs> found our way to a guest house, to real toilets. Uh, and that night's sleep, the shower, the food that we could have, and I can promise you it wasn't potatoes, <laughs> was incredibly delicious, welcome and sweet. And there was just something about being there, having survived this crazy adventure. And I think also wondering how our bus friends were getting on. Were people still really up in the minibus waiting for people to come along to repair it with a coat hanger? Probably. So I hope they all got down safely and well as I did. And there I was ready to continue my Indian adventures. Dirty Linen's summer series is going to be a little bit different. Frequency will reduce a bit, leaving you time to catch up on any episodes that you've missed through the year. 
I'll be doing short stories, little conversations with people and fantastic food anecdotes. If you've got something that I need to know about, get in touch. This.